Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, May 4, 2017, and today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're reading uh, from page 35, the second paragraph. It starts with our first example as a friend we shall call Jim, and we're going to read two paragraphs uh, this morning. Today's readers, we have Sharon B. on the 12 Steps. We got Julie S. on the 12 Traditions and the readers of the text, Penny C., Leslie M., and Katie G. The uh, reference number, the share ID for Thursday, May 3rd, for yesterday, the 7 a.m. meeting is 9901. That's 9901. And the 10 a.m. meeting is 9902. 9902 for the 10 a.m. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask uh, Sharon B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Sharon B. recovered in Louisiana. One, we the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Hey, thanks, Sharon. For doing that service. Okay, now let me ask Julie asked to read the 12 traditions. Hi, everybody. Good morning. This is Julie asked from Florida. The 12 traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Julie. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and we're, we are uh, sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And so today we're gonna resume, Penny C is gonna read to us um, on page 35 the uh, second paragraph, which starts our, our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. And Penny's gonna read uh, through uh, two paragraphs, ending uh, lose his family for whom he had deep affection. And then we're gonna co comment on both. So Penny C is in my ears and in my eyes. Hey Penny, you wanna get us started? Yes, good morning, can I be heard? You can. Oh good, thank you Larry. And thank you, everybody on the line. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He had a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He is an intelligent man normal so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. 
He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, he became so violent when, when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into, into contact with us. We told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. He made a beginning. His family was reassembled, and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real alcoholic in a a serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family, for whom he had a deep affection. And the the real key words there is is what I know to be the problem with so many people who go back to compulsive overeating. He began to, um, no, he failed to enlarge his spiritual life because all these other assets that he had, he believed he was a real alcoholic. Oh, yeah. And, and he did all these other things and the, and the people around him, his fellows who had recovered, were right there to support him. Everything, everything looked like it was going fine. But that one key thing was missing, that ingredient that causes us to become recovered. We need to enlarge our spiritual life. And that is just that's just so, so important. In fact, I've heard someone on the line say that as much as it's important for most of us to write down our food every day and maybe commit it to another human being, that even more important perhaps is writing down our spiritual practices, knowing what those spiritual practices are and adhering to them every single day in order to keep and increase our our conscious contact with our higher power. Because before I came to OA, I tried all sorts of things like most people. You know, I was a fat baby, a fat fat kid, a fat teenager, and then yo-yoed the rest of the time till I got to OA at age 47. And no one, no one told me before that that um, my higher power might be able to help me. No one even suggested that, that my, maybe I should, you know, pray for my, my, my recovery. I, I did pray that I'd lose weight, but I didn't, didn't know that I needed to have a spiritual awakening or experience in order to stay stopped. So today, that's what I do. I Many times, every day, I say, God, I'm yours and I trust you. And with that, I keep my conscious contact with my higher power. And, um, and I'm, in, you know, I'm happily, happily abstinent, as someone else says, for almost three decades. So it can be done. There is hope. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks, Penny. Okay, we're going to open up the share. Who would like to share? Harley. Jen, Matt M. Matt Chrissy G. Matt M. 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 Okay, so I heard Harlan because I hear this guy in my sleep. I heard Matt a few times. <laughs> I heard Kathy. I heard Chrissy. I heard, I think, Carol. Chucky, Chucky Cheese, Charles, Vasa, Michael. Who did I miss? I'll take a couple more. Shoshana K. Shoshana. Janice S. Janice M. Janice, and Janice. Okay. All right. Sorry, Janice. No problem. All right. No so we got, a, we got a list there. We got a list. I'm going to get fired. Just so you know, but not <laughs> All right, so we got Harlan followed by Matt. Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Larry. And I want to not only thank you for your service, but also I want to thank everybody on Team Thursday. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm calling from Albuquerque, New Mexico this morning. The first paragraph describes Jim, and that could be describing just about any of us, I'm sure, Nice person, intelligent, normal so far as we can see, except for a little bit of a nervous disposition. Did no drinking till he was 35. Now, that doesn't describe me. I was eating when I was, I had my thumb in one hand and a Kit Kat bar in the other, I'm sure. In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed on leaving the asylum. I'm going to come to, back to that. He came into contact with us. When we see that word asylum, a lot of us think a very nice treatment center, hospital, but an asylum wasn't a very nice place. It was a very, very not nice place. It was a horrible, hideous, nightmarish place. And he was in there. And yet, let's take a look at what happens to him. No one would want to go back to that place, would they? We told him what we knew of alcoholism. What does that mean? They told him about the physical allergy and they told him about the twist of the mind. They told him what Dr. Silkworth had told Bill, and that's step one. They told him about the powerless condition, and the answer that we had found, that's step two, and the answer that they had found was the spiritual awakening. So step one, step two, he made a beginning. In chapter five, we're going to be told that step three is both a decision and a beginning, a decision and a beginning. So Jim has worked the first three steps, but what do we know about the first three steps? They are worthless unless they are followed immediately, not in a year, not in a decade, not in a millennium, immediately by steps four through 12. His family was reassembled and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had once lost through drinking, that would bring up some emotion within me. Jealousy, anger, fear, uncertainty, all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. How do I enlarge my spiritual life if I've already done one, two, and three? I immediately do four through 12. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. Of course he found himself drunk. 
he found himself drunk even though he knew about the allergy, knew about the twist of the mind, knew the answer, made a beginning because he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And over and over and over and over and over on my telephone, I will hear people crying to me on the phone where they've done one, two, and three, but they're eating now and they can't understand why. Because this is not a permanent cure. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm not a cured compulsive overeater. I have to work the steps constantly. Thank God I don't have a roommate in my hotel room today because I'm on the phone at a meeting because this is the medicine I need right now. But am I just going to work? The, am I just going to do this uh, listening to a meeting today? Absolutely not. I'm going to work the steps today and so that I don't have to eat compulsively and I can do so happily. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, so if everyone would mute their phone, um, if you're not Matt, Matt, you can, you're up, Matt, and then we have Kathy. Hi, can you hear me, Larry? Yeah, we got it. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Good to hear you today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Matt. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, I relate to Jim. You bet I, you bet I do relate to Jim because I know exactly how he feels. You know, I've done the one, two, three walk so long, and I even did it recently. And I struggling with the food because I'm, I'm failing to watch my spiritual life. I get so far in the steps, and then I back off, and I wind up in the food again. And I know for me, that's 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 the only surefire way to go back to go back to die. You know, because I got myself personally up to 650 pounds. I was I was going out like somebody says, death by Dorito. You know, mine is usually death by whatever food I have in front of me, death by pizza or death by um, subs. You know, I did all that stuff. And, um, yeah, all went well for a time with me. But then I said I failed to enlarge my spiritual life. I didn't do 4 through 12 right away. And my consternation, I was drunk half a dozen times, absolutely, you know. And uh, just for today, um, I have I do have willingness. I spoke to my sponsor, and we're going into this work uh, face first. I'm going right into the big book. And, uh I'm taking it one day at a time, and believe me, I re- totally relate to Jim from the Dial Pass. Thanks, Matt. Okay, we got Kathy followed by Chrissy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning to everyone. This is Kathy Kay, recovered from Boston. You know, I too want to speak about enlarging my spiritual life. Um, took me a very long time to understand what this means because I came a confirmed agnostic to these rooms and I just didn't get it. Um, I didn't get it until I understand the, understood the twofold nature of our problem and the mental twist. That was my spiritual problem that I couldn't discern the true from the false, um, and that so often, even after months of abstinence, um, my thinking would have me back in the food. So what does it mean to enlarge my spiritual life? I was able to uh, understand it as taking actions which would help me to develop new ways of thinking and new ways of reacting to life. That, for me, is what it means to enlarge my spiritual life. And um, the steps, as everyone's been saying so far, 
the steps 4 through 12 ask us to do things which help us see what our thinking is and then in partnership um, with a higher power, which we attempt to begin to define in step two, um, we can start thinking differently and reacting to life differently. And that's simply how I see it. Um, and the more I practice um, seeking out guidance from a higher power, um, the more I am able to uh, think differently, think differently about the food, think differently about my relationships with others, think differently about the challenges I face. And truly, when I pick up the phone and call another compulsive overeater um, with a problem um, or a tenth step, um, what I'm doing is asking uh, for guidance uh, to consider ways to enlarge my spiritual life so that I can handle whatever is in front of me with grace and dignity and wisdom. Um, that, for me, is what it means to enrich my spiritual life. And um, I'm so grateful I understand that today. Uh, when I approach my day that way, um, I am assured another day in recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Okay, we got Chrissy followed by Carol. Chrissy, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Hi, it's Chrissy, recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, when I'm thinking about what my spiritual life is, and I, I think about it all the time, it's the most important relationship in my life is my relationship to my higher power. Because I, I, I have been convinced by being licked by this disease and succumbing to the fact that I have a mental illness, me that I don't have a mental illness, and I can't trust my own thoughts. I, I believe that. I, I, don't, I don't think that self-knowledge is, is going to keep me healthy and sane. I've experienced where I've been completely convinced that this disease can only be um, arrested through a spiritual program, and then I've gone on to take a 180-degree turn on that attitude by not practicing this program in my life. And I I have to keep in the forefront of my mind, and I'd like to share, you know, something that helps me, that, that in the book it says that we don't only acknowledge the existence of a higher power, but we have to adapt a certain attitude towards that higher power. And if 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 this man, this exam, this person in the story, if if he adapted a certain attitude, what would that look like? I know what it looks like for me in a day. It looks like for me in a day that whatever happens, nothing happens in God's universe by mistake. And that if if I'm made to work for a, a company that I once owned under someone else's supervision then what am I learning from that? What lesson is God having me learn and how would he have me be? That's my attitude. My attitude can be one of, of resentment, but then what is my relationship to my higher power? It's one of rebellion. It's not one of obedience. It's not, okay, God, I'm surrendering my will in my life. I don't like it, but I accept it and I trust you. That's the attitude I have to take towards my higher power. And I have to continue to develop that trust and that relationship. 
and that's how it expands and that's that's through keeping that attitude as things crop up in the day turning that that attitude around and acknowledging the fact that I don't know and I'm not in charge and with that I pass thanks Chrissy okay we got Carol followed by Chuck followed by Vasa Carol good morning morning Larry this is Carol J from Saugatuck Michigan surrounded by blueberries and peaches anyway (laughs) I wanted to tell you Larry I wanted to thank you for your sharing it's really been helpful I'm new to this program the compulsive overeater and have a little over three months and I've always been wondering why I haven't having the spiritual experience or awakening but I've already had it because I've been able to be abstinent and I haven't done that on my own volition by any means and thank God I have a wonderful sponsor who's working the steps with me and I'm just starting my fourth step now and I know that that's a must for me to get rid of the baggage and uh, move on but another um, thing that I remembered in my past is that uh, I was a functional overeater just like I was a functional drunk and it seemed like every job that I had it was working on a, another weight loss program with my peers, um, which never was successful. So in that sense, I was functional, but not ever successful. And I'm so grateful that I have a vision for you that I can listen to every morning. And I just appreciate everyone, and I wish everyone a wonderful day, and thank you for listening. Thanks, Carol. Okay, Charles, followed by Vasa. Hey, Charles, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your loyal and uh, comical service. It, it, it brings a <laughs> smile to my face. <laughs> Charles Dates are recovered compulsive overeater, and um, and for me, you know, of course, the theist's line in this in this text is he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. I don't think he took the whole entire first step. I think you know he was abstinent for a while, and uh, you know his family came back. In my opinion, they probably came back too quick. Um, he got rehired, but he probably lost the lost the business. And and as it says in the text or in the next paragraph, will say he lost it through his addiction. You know, all went well for a while, and he agreed he was a real. Look at the text. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in serious condition. So we don't need to ask why, because in the next page it's going to say what type of you know the big book always asks some questions. Why would he do that? Why would he, why would he, because he wanted to. <laughs> and I can identify with Jim. I did it because I wanted to. He didn't take no second step. Jim was in full control because he knew he was in serious condition. I can identify with that, being in serious condition. And nevertheless, this reminds me of page five when Bill W. went through all his alcoholism. But all that drama when he moved to Canada and he was broke and, you know, all that stuff. And what did it say? Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. You know, once in a while he had a little sobriety. No, he had a little abstinence. Abstinence and sobriety is two different things, right? Um, you know, everybody liked Jim. He, you know, he he. Every, it says everybody liked him. He's an intelligent man. This disease don't care about your family. This disease don't care about your personal possessions and, you know, your, your, your automobile and all that. Jim was a rationalizer like I was. I wasn't willing to go through with the steps. I was backed in a corner, right, I, that, that, that 
I knew it was going to be over pretty soon. I don't want to do these steps. I, I'm going to keep it real with you. I had no other choice. I knew it was death coming, you know, and I can identify with a nervous disposition, you know, just because I'm recovered don't mean I don't get nervous, right, because I got to keep it real because Jim knew he was a real alcoholic and in serious condition, yet still he still picked up that first drink. So, we, you know, we see here in closing, we see here that if we fail to enlarge our spiritual life, we are biologically mandated to go to another asylum, and that next asylum might be the last one here on earth. And uh, I ain't beat for that today, Larry. And with that, I pass. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Amen. Amen. All right. We got <clears throat> Vasa followed by Michael. Hey, Vasa, good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Service and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater uh, from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And uh, I was in a serious condition when I came to this program, and uh, so grateful that, uh, like, I can identify with this paragraph. Uh, I, I, you know, I saw myself as an intelligent woman in some ways. You know, I was married, had a husband, had a children, the house, you know, the yard, and all that stuff. But when we came to the food, I was out, out of control. And it was getting progressive for me. It's by the grace of God that I was led in the program in time, you know. And I learned the progression as I was listening to other people, other speakers, you know, and I could identify. And um, again, my spiritual life today is the most important, having that personal relationship with God that I did not have. And for me, you know, I needed to surrender. Again, I did the first three steps. Step one, admitted I was powerless. I can, he can, and I will let him. I, I had the gift of desperation. I was just so, so ready. And I just kept on hearing, if I did not work the steps the way they were laid out, I'd go back into the food. And that was the last thing that I wanted to go back into that pain and the suffering, and yes, I did have the nervous disposition, and I still can get it today. I mean, I remember when I got to the first uh, meeting and shared at this meeting, you know, there were like 200 people, and I was saying, oh, I was terrified. I had a fear of, anyways, sharing in big crowds, but I said, oh, well, I can, nobody can see me. I'm here in my own bed. I'm relaxed, and I can share. So, you know, I was nervous, but I did it, and it became easier and easier. But I was educated when I came uh, in the programs, and, and and this big book was given to me. I didn't even know I had a disease. This is what I found out in the doctor's opinion. I didn't know I was compulsive overeater. I knew I could not stop, but I didn't know they called it eating disorder or compulsive overeating. But I could identify, okay, yeah, I have it. You know, I'm like you, and I'm just so grateful that I found the solution here. And it's by the grace of God. I mean, I have a relationship with God on a daily basis. It's not just here and there and today. I mean, I get on my knees. That's my way of doing it every morning. And I sometimes do it during the day. Depends where I'm going through, and I thank God at nighttime. And the best booklet that I got 
besides this, um, the big book, was the 24-hour-a-day. It's a, it's a black book. It's a little black book by AA, and it's prayer and meditation, this book, and it's just awesome. You know, it's just, I, you know, I love this little booklet, too. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. Okay, we got Michael followed by Shoshana. Hey, Michael, what's going on? Good morning, Larry. May I be heard? You can. Great, great. This is Michael H. from the great state of Illinois, recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God today. I just want to plug into the power of these pages real quick here. It says all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. A little further down, it says that he actually knew that he would lose everything if he if he continued um his, his family he already had lost a business right so he knew he was going to lose literally everything and so i asked myself why would this man because we know he went on to drink why, why would this man do this why why would he risk everything knowing not risk everything but knowing full well he's going to lose everything and i and i surmised that because he didn't have any choice. He had no power, zero power without the spiritual solution. And and that just speaks to me this morning that I had no power. I did lots and lots of crazy things that made no sense uh, because I had zero power. And, and today I know that, um, that, that, that my higher power, God, has my back on this. Um, I... I I know that he has my back as long as I had to bring the shovel. I had to work the steps. I had to access this power greater than me. And um, I would still be, for sure, living in the same crazy life that I had before if I hadn't accessed this power. Um, so I so I maintain that with my my morning time with God, my, my night time with God, and then, oh, yeah, how many ever times I... Uh, need to, which is often for me, sometimes three times, sometimes five times uh, during the day. But it's because I'm living on his power, not mine. And that that was the answer for me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Michael. Okay, we got Shoshana followed by Tina. Hey, Shoshana. Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? You can. I'm hearing a little bit of feedback here, though. I don't know if that's you. I'm here. Hey, I'm Shoshana, not, yeah, there you I'm go. not You're hearing good. it now. Should I go ahead? Perfect. Yep, you got thank it. Thank you so much for being on the line, and everybody on the line, thank you for being here. It's Shoshana from Maryland, gratefully recovered today. Thank you, God. Thank you, program. I wanted to repeat that all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge, to enlarge his spiritual life. It doesn't say that his higher power came down and failed to enlarge his spiritual spiritual life where his sponsor came and failed to enlarge it says he and his meaning that we are maybe hopeless when we come in but not helpless i remember when i came into the rooms again crawling back i had bags of candy hidden in my pajama drawers and my kids would find it and think they hit the jackpot and i would just get upset and angry that they found my hidden stash and i wasn't going to share it with them and I know that I have to really work this program where the food will start to call me again. And even on a daily basis, when I'm not 
taking enough time to do my quiet time, just to be sitting and being quiet and meditating, it affects how I feel when I'm around the food. And um, I think it was Monica that once shared that she she would set a, an alarm for a minute just to sit still and have that meditation time. And, and that's such a great idea, and I'm going to try that because I really need to make that effort. And um, I know that God is there for me. I just have to reach out and grab his hand and work the program. Otherwise, back in the food. And with that, I'm going to pass and wish everybody a beautiful day. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much, much, Shoshana. Okay, we got Tina followed by Janice. Hey, Tina, it's, it's 42 degrees here. Let's get down in Florida. Thanks, Larry. Uh, Tina, uh, recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. I think it was like 78 on my car when I came in this morning at 6 o'clock. So uh, anyway, uh, grateful to be here. And, uh, you know, again, great stuff, great stuff. And, uh, you know, yesterday we read about, you know, how well it works on a non-spiritual basis. And my experience is it didn't. Um, you know, and I had had the opportunity, you know, to... Um, come to the program of Overeaters Anonymous in a treatment center back in 1987, and the recovery plan was through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and what really what I wanted was the diet, thank you very much, I'm too smart for this, you're, you know, I'm really not like y'all, you know, I don't have to go to those drastic extremes to, you know, hang out with people and stay recovered and stuff like that, I could probably do this on my own, and, uh, and how wild did it work, and it says that, you know, we told him what we knew of alcoholism, and the answer we found, well, people told me, you know, and, and after a while, you know, I went well for a time. You know, I had the diet. You know, I was, you know, looking good, feeling good. But I failed to enlarge my spiritual life, you know. And uh, and then the struggle was just horrendous. You know, and for me, you know, I, I got to a place of, um, you know, I was beaten. You know, I was totally beaten. You know, the psych ward sounded great. You know, it really did. That was the truth. I was like, hey, i got to go someplace because I can't live in my skin. I don't want to participate in my life. I certainly don't want to go to my job. And, you know, and I really wasn't thinking about my family. Let me just tell you, for the longest time, all I could think about was me. So, you know, I really wasn't concerned about my family. You know, but in that place of, you know, my self-knowledge got, you know, got me no place except for, to, uh, you know, I came in, I came in at 160 pounds, you know, last time I came in, I was 91. So, you know, I'm all over the, the gamut here. And, um, you know, so God certainly did for me what I could not do for myself. I couldn't think. So therefore, I just did what people suggested because I couldn't think of anything else. And, uh, and what happened for me was one day at a time, you know, I just did what people told me to do until I, you know, and I ate because people told me to, you know, that was just the bottom line. And so then I started having some uh, sanity return and then was able to follow the steps in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and I got this life that is beyond my wildest dreams. And I have a passion for Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a passion for OA in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I want to continue to do this deal with you guys one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Tina. Okay, Janice, good morning. Good morning, uh, Larry. Please chime me because I don't know what I do with my time here. Um, good morning to you and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Yeah, there's a lot of identification here with Jim. First of all, 
I identify with his what his thinking and the way he thought about his life that I'm okay, you know. Well, I had a charming, supposedly charming husband and family, but there was always something that I had to blame them for, for my doings. There was a blame game here going on. And yeah, I inherited a, a great business, but I still had a, wasn't satisfied with that. You know, all about me, not about them. Well, you know, um, and then um, the violence. You know, oh, I wasn't a violent drunk. You know, only drunks get violent. Well, let me just tell you, there was one Christmas that my husband didn't get me a card, a Christmas card, and I went berserk. You know what I did? I took all the Christmas tree down. I mean, that's insane because he didn't get me a card. But, of course, today is so different. I tell him not to even bother. But anyway, um, see, the beginning is that um, I came to a conclusion in time that, okay, you know, I'm powerless. Okay, I'm going to get a power. And, um, yeah, I'm going to, you know, start doing these things. I made a decision. That's only a conclusion of the mind. It didn't change my mind one bit about how I could do things. And so when we talk about a spiritual change, a spiritual life, it's all about changing. How can I change myself? I can't. So that's why it's only a beginning when we do steps one and two and three, because I did the same thing. Then I will, be, I will get that power, will be revealed to me from these steps, not from abstinence, I didn't get spiritual awakening from an abstinence because I did it so many times, put it down, put, picked it up. So it's all about our thinking. And, you know, spiritual life to me is living. Life is living. When we're alive, we're, when we're living, we're alive. We're not dead. So spiritual isn't just about, you know, praying and meditating. Yeah, it's, it's part of my, my life every day. But also... It's going to meetings where there are recovered people where my higher power talks through. If I don't keep going to these meetings, I won't hear anybody except my own mind. And that doesn't work. That's not too reliable. And helping others. That's living a spiritual life. That's what was missing in my life. Yeah, I could get a nice food plan. I could do this. But I didn't have that power to help others and help others and listen to recovered people. I mean, I heard so many people today, whether they said the same thing, maybe they said it differently. And, you know, and, and, and I grow spiritually. So it's, uh, and it doesn't matter how long you drink, like he said. Oh, he didn't drink until he was 35. But it doesn't matter, does it? Page 33, the age doesn't matter and the time that we ate doesn't matter. It's the change of my thinking that comes with this whole package. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. You've got 16 more minutes. Nessa R. Robin M. Melissa J. Judith R. Barbara E. Okay, we're going to stop there. Here's who I heard, so my apologies to whom I didn't hear. Um, I heard Monica, I heard Nessa, Robin, Melissa, and Judith. Good morning, Monica.
Monica, you have to uh, press star one. Okay. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. <laughs> this is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Okay. Like everyone else, all went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And I have a little note, page 14, the last line. If an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through the work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. So to me, this is expanding, yes. It's all about the steps. You know, we've got to do immediately four through nine, but I've got to, step 10, continue, 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 11 and 12 for the rest of my life. And the underlying theme of the big book, help others, help others, help others. You know, trust God, clean house, and help others. Now, the next thing I wanted to bring up, to his consternation, to his amazement, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. Now, the next line. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. Now, I take this as very important information to me as a sponsor or guide. That I don't throw somebody away. I don't say I can't guide you anymore if they've gotten back into the food. They worked with him six times here. They reviewed each time what had happened. And we're going to turn the page and this guy gets drunk one more time and they review again. So I just take this as instructions to me as a sponsor. You know, keep, do a little more work with somebody. Now, you've got to be willing and you've got to want to do the work, obviously. And the other thing I wanted to say about he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. You know, this has been a process for me. And it's so amazing how this program is a process. And the more I work this program, the longer I'm in this program, the more is revealed to me, the more willing I have become over the years to do things that I wasn't willing to do in the beginning. You know, it didn't come all at once. And what is my decision today? You know, I have to make a decision every morning. What am I doing? What am I going to do today? How am I going to try to grow today? So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Monica. Nessa, your turn. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. It's Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. And I guess I want to piggyback on what Monica just said um, with regards to enlarging spiritual life. Um, you know, it says on page 85, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. And I, I, I see it so often, it's heartbreaking. You know, um, people on the cusp of recovery, you know, they have worked diligently through um, steps one through nine. Um, they have maintained clean, squeaky clean abstinence. And then the back into the food. And the reason is that, you know, the intensity of the pain, the heat gets turned down, we feel that we are okay, you know, we got this, we know how to do it, but, but, this is the big but, you know, we don't work steps 10, 11, and 12. And so when, when, I, when I read to enlarge spiritual life, like, 
how, how long do I enlarge my spiritual life? How much is enough enlargement? And the answer is never. It's not enough. Every single day, I've got to enlarge my spiritual life. And how do I enlarge my spiritual life? By working diligently, also steps 10, 11, and 12. You know, and, and it often fails to happen. You know, I finish steps 1 to 9, I put the book back on the shelf, and I go about my life doing the exact same things, thinking the exact same way I always did and I always thought, you know, before um, I undertook this work. And so nothing changes if nothing changes. And the truth is that steps one to nine, um, what they do is, in addition to enable me, enabling me to, to, to clean up the wreckage of the past, is they teach me a skill set, a thought process. But I got to practice that thought process. If I don't practice it, it's never going to become a working part of my mind. And so that transformation, that personality change that brings about recovery is not going to happen. And so to practice it, I need to work steps 10, 11, and 12 every single day. And, you know, um, I, this is what I see mostly with, with my own sponsees and in my own meetings, that the people who go back into the food are people who don't work step 10 and um, put off sponsoring. And those are integral parts of the program. To enlarge my spiritual life, I have to commit to um, work steps 10, 11, and 12 every day of my life. And so I will, man- I will maintain my spiritual condition. I, I will reach the recovery, and I will keep my recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Okay, Robin, your turn, followed by Melissa. Robin? Hi, I'm Robin, compulsive overeater, recovered newly in Georgia. Um, this is definitely me in a nutshell. I'm trying over and over to abstain from eating compulsively and um, to live a happy life. And um, I'm just great, grateful for this program, for you guys, um, the Big Book Study. Uh, it's pretty powerful. That's an understatement. Um, but this, this for me in a nutshell, you know, definitely I have the nervous disposition. And my thing was I would, I would start feeling better, I would become abstinent, and then I would not expand my spiritual program. Um, I start becoming self-reliant and, you know, thinking I'm God. I really don't think that, but then that's the, the mindset I would get. And then I would be off to the races again and beating on the, you know, as they say, beating on the bar, you know, how did this happen? And it, you know, that's happened throughout the years over and over and over. I've been around the rooms for many years. I'm also a member of another program and just could not ever get this food thing. Uh, The other program seemed like it was easy compared to this one. But, you know, really looking back, um, I, I never worked my other program as, you know, probably it was outlined, um, obviously, because uh, then I wouldn't be using this other substance, which was food for me. Um, but, you know, I loved what everybody shared on the line today. Um, someone talked about, you know, sending in to a sponsor or reviewing with a sponsor the spiritual parts, not just the food, not just sending in the food, but what am I going to do to en- en- enlarge my spiritual life today? And I think that's very powerful. That's that's the, that's the thing that kept me from from um, staying abstinent. Um, 
you know, time after time. So, you know, for me today, it's prayer and meditation and working the steps wherever I am. And today I'm in 10, 11, and 12. And when I, you know, when, when looking back, when, when I wasn't there yet, I, you know, it was working the other steps, one through one through four, one through three, whatever step I'm on, you know, staying in the steps daily, um, you know, going to a meeting daily, whether it's on the phone or face-to-face. And then that key part that uh, I missed also for years, even though I did on and off, is working with others, diligently working with others. And um, I just, uh, this big book is coming alive again to me, um, I think more dynamic than it ever has. And um, I think, you know, you guys have a, a large part in that, and I'm truly grateful um, and it just, you know, it just says over and over in this book without the spiritual peace, um, that I'm hopeless. And it just talks about that, um, that there, there is no other solution for me. There's no other solution today. And, um, I'm just very grateful for all of you guys and I appreciate everybody on the line today. Thank you. I pass. Thanks so much, Robin. Judith, I'm not sure if we're going to have time or not, but Melissa, it's your turn. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Larry. It's Melissa C., compulsive overeater in New York, recovered. And, um, you know, what I find myself thinking about um, was pretty close to what Monica has talked about. Um, you know, people can feud <laughs> to work with him. He picked up half a dozen times in rapid succession. And, um, you know, and so who continued to work with him? The people who are recovered, those that wrote the book. And that for me is like, uh, you know, a light went off in my head. That, um, you know, I remain recovered today because I, can, I continue to work with people whether or not they pick up in rapid succession without, um, you know, without me making a decision that they're not worthy of my time. And um, do I fall short of this mark? Sometimes I do, you know, because um, I want people to recover. I want them to get abstinent, to pick up the, you know, the steps, to work it thoroughly and be, aha, a success and then I can feel good. You know, yes, I want them to do well, but I also want to feel good. I want to feel like the work I do um, was helpful and got somebody recovered. And, you know, how do we know, though, that um, something fails to, you know, that that you need to enlarge your spiritual life in order to recover? Um, Because you have to fail to enlarge your spiritual life, and it's in the failing that sometimes the greatest lessons occur. And I have to remember that, you know, for myself as well, that um, yesterday I fell short of the mark for me. You know, I I had a binge, but not on food. I had a binge on complaining. I, I found myself picking up um, a little piece of misery and complaining, and I commiserated with somebody. And for me, that's like eating a bag of potato chips because before long, I was head first in the problem. All I could think about was the problem. And yet, you know, the people that work with me have reminded me probably half a dozen times, if not more, how essential it is for me to stay positive. Um, you know, that um, 
acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. I know it, but until I fail it, you know, sometimes I don't know it as thoroughly as I as I could. And so um, today, you know, if somebody is is slipping and having a problem with the food, um, it is not my place to judge. It is my place to carry the message of this beautiful program of recovery that it works. It is real. It works. And um, and if I fall short of the mark, you know, I'm going to do my best to reach out without worry um, that I'm telling the same person perhaps seven times now, you know, my shortcomings. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Judith, I was never good at my times table, so five Let's see, five people times three. That's 15 minutes, Larry. So I'm so sorry, Judith. Um, but if you can stick around for the second hour, that would be terrific. Okay. Um, so thank you to everyone who shared um, and joined us on this meeting. The share ID for this meeting today is 9905. That's 9905. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We're now going to close from a, a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Leslie, are you there to read page 164? I am, Larry. Thank you for your service. Thanks. This is Leslie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.